Welcome to the Advance Born Global podcast. I'm Johanna Pittman, CEO of Advance, the non-profit organisation that shines a spotlight on the impact of outstanding global Australians. In this podcast series, we meet all 34 game changers recognised in the 2022 Global Australian Awards. These inspiring game changers generously share the story of their international career journey with us, the highlights and challenges, and what motivates them in their work. I hope you enjoy getting to know these inspiring game changers. In this episode, we meet Dr. Rosemary Morrow, a 2022 game changer for her expertise in oceanography. I learned so much in this discussion with Rosemary, including the advances in our understanding of oceans, the phenomenon of eddies in the ocean, and their relationship to weather patterns. I hope you enjoy this window into this fascinating field. So just to kick things off, if you were speaking, let's say, to a high school audience, how would you describe what you do and what your day-to-day looks like? Well, I am a physical oceanographer and uh, physical means I work with the physics of the ocean, the dynamics of the ocean, how it moves. And we look at uh, measuring currents and we measure sea level and its changes. And we look at uh, the layers of the ocean and how they're heating and expanding or cooling. And uh, my particular work is to look at ocean eddies. And ocean eddies are like the big weather systems in the ocean that move a lot of heat and nutrients around, and I've been uh, observing those most of my career. So um, in my job, I do that with two main um, objectives. I use satellite data, because satellite measures the sea surface, and that moves with these big ocean eddies. And uh, I've worked a lot with the international community to try and build up the scientists around these observations and I work as a project scientist for the French Space Agency in developing science applications and ocean applications using these uh, big um, satellite measurements of sea level and its changes. So it's something that is uh, one of the real fundamentals of uh, the Earth system is the slow ocean movements and so being able to observe those uh, globally with satellites is something that is uh, a real mainstay of uh, how we understand the ocean. Would I be correct in assuming that many people are unaware or um, under-informed about the dynamics of the ocean and and even the fact that eddies that this underwater eddies even exist. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, we as oceanographers only um, discovered them once we'd launched satellites because the oceans are just populated with these eddies. It's like when you look at a, at a weather map and you see all of the big high and, pressure, and low pressure systems moving through. The same thing with eddies. Uh, they're everywhere in the ocean and we only really discovered that with satellite altimetry. But it comes home when there's a big warm eddy stuck off Sydney for a couple of months and then it rains and it rains and it rains because of the interaction between the atmosphere with this big source of heat. So people are aware of certain individual eddies, but we study 
the whole lot of them. So we study them wherever they are, and uh, and that's possible because of um, the satellite systems. Yeah. And when you were, let's say, in school and university, did you always intend to study oceanography and... Um, did you expect to live in France for 22 years? <laughs> not at all, not at all. In fact, uh, when I didn't really think about studying the ocean uh, until I was halfway through my university career, though I'd always had an affiliation with the ocean because of sailing with my dad on Botany Bay every weekend and watching the wind interact with the currents and the waves and and sort of looking at how that worked. Um, but it was really, really only halfway through my university career that I started being very uh, focused on doing oceanographic work. And before that, I'd worked in a bank, I'd worked in an insurance office, I'd worked as a research assistant up on the Barrier Reef and uh, done lots of different jobs. But always coming back to oceanography because I could use maths physics, computing, and apply it to something that, uh, you know, understanding the ocean and its part in the Earth system has always been really satisfying. So, so uh, and then I went to France after I'd finished my studies in Australia for one and a half years, met my husband, and I've been there 30. So, so when my students go overseas for doing these short training courses, I say to them, be careful where you choose because you may be there much longer than you had originally planned. <laughs> but living in France is oh nice. My. Living in France is also as good as living in Australia. It's, uh, it has uh, a lot of uh, positive uh, parts to it, like in living in Australia. And so 30 years that you've been in France and uh, you are based at an it sounds as though oceanography is a real speciality of, of within the French research and academic system. Um, what are some of the challenges you face uh, in your role and, and trying to do the research that you do? Well, one of the challenges I have at the moment is that uh, I've been working on my own research, and that is uh, a lot in contact with people in all different countries. I work with my team in Toulouse, I work with the French community, but I also have a lot of contact with uh, other teams doing similar things all over the world. That's part of the, the science uh, lifestyle. But in terms of organising as well, um, the oceanographic community um, around these satellite measurements, we're about to launch a new satellite at the end of this year that I've been working on for 15 years and trying to coordinate groups from all over the world to, to prepare what we think we will see with these new satellite measurements. And it's always a surprise when you, when you launch a new technology, you sometimes see things you hadn't been expecting. And we also have a big group of people all over the world doing in situ measurements, like going out to sea in ships and measuring the interior of the ocean. And as the satellite passes over, we see how sea levels changing at small scales. And all over the world, there'll be people in early 2023 who'll be making these big, um, big um, in situ observations. And so that's 
very stressful because we have to launch the satellite, we have to have everything coming together and being ready, but it's also incredibly exciting because we've had a lot of people brainstorming about what they're going to be doing, what they think they'll be seeing, and then we'll have to come back to, with your reality check what we actually see and re-loop through everything. And uh, so it's it's a big challenge, but it's also a big um, satisfaction having that sort of um, the ideas just uh, just uh, coming left, right and centre for what we will see with these missions. And so it's something that is... Uh, um, exciting but very stressful at the moment. And you mentioned uh, 15 years in the in the making this uh, new satellite. What's your expected uh, timing? When do you expect it will be launched? It's planned to be launched in December 2022. We've had some delays for COVID. We've had some delays because of the war in Ukraine for transporting the plane. We've had, uh, we've had a lot of last-minute um, um, added stress. <laughs> but uh, 15 years of a community with the engineers and the scientists working together to develop something is, uh, is very, very, um, you know, it builds a very strong community. So everyone's very motivated to, to actually see it launched and fly now. And there's a big group of Australians yeah. who are working on this mission with us. So we have people who, as I said, for the in-situ programs, there will people be doing in-situ programs in the Tasman Sea, in the Southern Ocean. I'll be working with them in the Southern Ocean, in Bass Strait, uh, off the Northwest Shelf. There are, um, and, and then there are, you know, teams in the States, teams in Canada, all over. And, but the Australians are very engaged as well in this process. My son is 20, has 25 years old. He was 10 when I started this project. And so <laughs> 15 years in an adult's career, it sounds like, uh, you know, it, that's 15 years. But, you know, you see my 10-year-old son and he's now an adult and I'm still working on preparing this mission, you know. it's uh <laughs> Wow. Well, it really sounds like something that um, would be worth drawing attention to if it's not already got a big media plan associated with it. Um, we'd love to just follow what the progress of it because it sounds like something a really massive achievement and a real global collaboration. Yes, yes, and a very like as I said, Australians um, have always been very engaged in a lot of international programs. And I started when I was doing my PhD working on satellite altimetry with uh, my mentors in Sydney. Uh, that was. 35 years ago or so, and uh, the big places to do satellite altimetry at that stage were in France and also in the US with NASA and the French uh, Space Agency. But nowadays, it really is a huge international community. So I went overseas to work at the heart of things, but, but now there's a lot of people also working on you know, these applications, even now. Uh, um, Australia, South America, Asia, everywhere. So it's uh, it's 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 very widespread. That's a really interesting field, and I think by um, sharing your story, um, the the magnitude of this collaboration will become uh, it, it will tell a story of that collaboration and what's happening 
around the world. And as you mentioned, as in a field that has only become sort of discovered within oceanography, but certainly for the general public, it will be incredibly interesting for them to learn more about. I guess just a sort of big picture question, what motivates you every day? Something like this, having the stamina to work 15 years on this satellite launch and um, what what motivates you, what drives you to do what you do? Well, in science, there's a really strong um, motivation is that we're trying to solve problems that people haven't been able to solve before. And so what we do is uh, for my team, we get together, we have a brainstorming about what we think we want to put into place. Uh, we go through everything. Everyone goes their separate ways to work on it. You come back, you do a brainstorming again, uh, you perhaps go off in another direction because the first one didn't work. And it is a bit for an oceanographer like a fluid, you know, you come together, you go apart, you do your own bits of the puzzle, you come together again. And so I really like that on my day-to-day -day basis, the fact that there is this exchange and this, uh, this, uh, this way of working together. And I also, I, I teach at the university and I also really like the fact that uh, I, I teach uh, master's level, uh, PhD level, and then uh, my PhD students or the other PhD students uh, go on and they, um, they do work. And after a couple of years, they're learning things that I don't know. And so you're learning back from the young P, uh, students you've trained them on a certain pathway and then they fly then they go and and you get so much back from everything that they've learned so that's something that as well I find really motivating that we have uh, this continual passage of young people who get trained and then and then go off uh, and do their own thing and then working as well in uh, this international community for altimetry it's also just incredibly exciting because you have all sorts of experts, not just in space observations, but also in modelling or in situ observations. They all have their perspective of how they're part of understanding how the ocean works and bringing them all together and getting them to brainstorm and being in a meetings with 300 people and they're all trying to work on different components. It's something as well that is, uh, that is really motivating. The day-to-day -day work, sometimes you've got to do the slog. <laughs> it's not all, you know, the exciting brainstorming, but, the, uh, but that's the part that keeps it ticking over, that, that interaction with people. Yeah. And I hadn't mentioned before, but um, I was just going to say one of my other hats, if you like, is that uh, for the last um, 30 years I've been working with um, the CSIRO in Hobart to not just look at uh, the satellite observations of how the sea level is changing over these eddies and, you know, the main currents, but also looking at the inside of the ocean and the, the layers inside the ocean. And so for 30 years, we've been going from Tasmania, crossing the Southern Ocean to Antarctica, and just monitoring how the interior of the ocean is warming up in the north, how it is close to Antarctica, actually cooling down and getting much fresher because of all of the ice melt. And um, that's a really amazing human endeavour as well as the technical and scientific achievements because 
For 30 years, we've also been sending our young volunteers to make these observations. And, and now they've grown up and they've become also, you know, um, senior <laughs> scientists or they've gone in up to other fields, but they've all taken with them this passion of what it's like to make measurements at sea, to see the reality of the ocean and, of course, to discover Antarctica when you get there. It's, uh, but 30 years builds up a long time series that we understand how the ocean interior is changing and then how that's impacting sea level on the top, but it's also this uh, this big human uh, contribution of getting out and doing the work to uh, to have a long observational time series for, for the ocean. So, so that's also really motivating. And um, to think of the numbers of people that have been through that and that you would have um, come in contact with over that time, and the contribution is just exponential from that. And that's yeah, really interesting. Um, yeah. to hear about that aspect that is very close to home physically. Um, yes, for yes, and it's something that uh, um, it is a, a French-Australian uh, contribution to monitoring the ocean. So it's one of the you know key monitoring points because we don't have that many long time series in the Southern Ocean. But it's also been this big um, collaborative project for, for 30 years and... Uh, and, you know, we're in contact, uh, as I said, with the CSIRO, with uh, um, the Antarctic Division on the French side and also on the, on the Australian side. And uh, it's, it's, um, it's something that we started off not expecting that it would last 30 years. And it's become a very precious sentinel of how uh, things are changing in the Southern Ocean. Absolutely, and I bet it's revealing some concerning data that, um, and having the time series, it's incredible evidence of what's what's happening. Yes. Uh, you've been a, obviously away for this time, but also you've remained connected with Australia through these types of collaborations. What does it mean to you to be recognised as a finalist for these Global Australian Awards? Well, even when I was nominated, I found I, it was a very humbling experience because I do my work, but I don't necessarily see myself as a key international player. You know, it's a, and when I see the quality and the extraordinary work done by the other finalists, uh, I was uh, I was quite surprised to to get through to the finalist round, to be honest. But I think it's a very uh, good. Um, reflection on Australians' work overseas because it is an incredibly diverse group and they do incredibly different uh, achievements uh, uh, in different fields all over the place. And, and one of the things I've always felt as far as being a, a scientist, an Australian scientist working overseas, is that on the international panels, international meetings, there's always Australian participants. And for a small country, we have a lot of people that do a lot of volunteer work, being on panels for best practices, for putting in you know, observational systems that will last over time. Um, scientists aren't paid to do that, but they do that because they're really engaged and they think that... Uh, they should be organising things in an international collaborative way. And it's something that I've, um, I do one small, tiny part 
of that uh, <laughs> brick in the wall. But there are so many Australians either working outside of Australia but also inside of Australia who really step up and participate a lot in those uh, international uh, uh, contributions which are really important so that things, um, things work in a very collegial and uh, correct way. So, so yes, um, I'm really happy to be part of this. Uh, I was, as I said, a bit surprised, but I'd also like to recognise probably the very wide number of other oceanographers <laughs> who could be here as well, because uh, it's really, uh, there, there's, there's an awful lot of work that's being done on the international arena. Yeah. That's great to know. And uh, yes, certainly that uh, Australian participants on panels, that's um, a good thing to note. And I hadn't sort of, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good metric of our engagement globally that we probably don't uh, measure or value as much as we should. Um, yeah. but, uh, and even like people yeah. spending, spending a year of their life uh, leading an IPCC chapter, you know, like uh, uh, you have to bring together all the data, verify everything, and then once it's published, they go out and they communicate to, to policymakers, to the public and everything, and, and it, it is a, it's a huge engagement in a scientist's life to do that, and you're not paid anything more. It's not something that, you know, you don't, you don't get any... It, it's just this, um, uh, not just an engagement, but, but doing something back for the community. And I think many, most scientists work because uh, they want to discover their science field, but also it's, a, it's, it's part of giving back to the community some information that is necessary as you go forward. So, so yeah, there's a... And Australia really punches above its weight for that. There are Australians uh, on committees uh, helping to organise things uh, in a way that is not the same for many other countries with the same population. You know, it's really a big engagement. Interesting. Uh, well, I guess on, on that note, um, any advice you would give to someone early in their career uh, who's... Uh, who's who's looking to go into the as a scientist as a research scientist what advice might you give them well I guess uh, one of the things uh, I've always found uh, working in oceanography is that if you're keen on maths and you're keen on physics and computing it's a really really exciting way to apply that to something that's understanding a key component of the earth system so it allows you to use all of those maths, physics, computing skills with an application that I find is very uh, inspiring and stimulating. So, so anyone who's motivated to do that, it's, it's an excellent field. And the other thing from my experience is that I was really lucky when I went through my university training to have a lot of mentors who were very inspiring, but who also... Um, proposed opportunities to go and study for a while overseas or to go and work in different areas. And I always took that up. I always accepted the opportunities to go and, uh, and work for a couple of months uh, somewhere else. And that then puts in other connections and other opportunities. So 
My other advice would be if opportunities come up and you've got the opportunity to do it, don't be afraid, go for it. <laughs> and, uh, and working overseas, um, I'm not cut off from my Australian colleagues and I'm not, you know, they're, you just keep building more and more interactions over time. And so it's not something that will mean you go and live somewhere and therefore... Um, you know, there's no further contact with your close community. A, a working life today, you can keep working wherever you are. So, so it's uh, and with who you want to. So it's a, uh, it's a very international link of people all over the world. So, yes, take opportunities and go and apply your maths, physics, uh, <laughs> computing in uh, different different areas. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more on global Australian game changes over the last decade, please go to our website advance.org.